Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. As the nation prepares for a transition of power this Wednesday with the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden, thousands of National Guard troops stand watch. Meanwhile, an investigation into the insurrection continues and Biden has begun rolling out his agenda. We'll talk about the latest national news. Then at 9.30, on this day we remember Martin Luther King and Emory University professor Audra Gillespie, who has written about the legacy of the civil rights movement, will be joining us to reflect on how Dr. King might respond to the current political moment and the glaring inequities in our society. That's all next, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. 20,000 National Guard troops are currently stationed around the Capitol as preparations continue for Wednesday's inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. As the nation looks to a transition in leadership, President-elect Biden faces a series of crises, including a pandemic, rising unemployment, and concerns about further violence fueled by Trump supporters. Over the weekend, Biden's chief of staff introduced a 10-day plan of executive orders and action, including rejoining the Paris Climate Accord. Biden also has proposed an almost $2 trillion economic relief package. And here to discuss the latest national news with us, we have Susan Page, USA Today, Washington Bureau Chief, and welcome back to Forum, Susan Page. Hey, Michael, it's great to be back with you. Good to have you back. And we also want to welcome Siobhan Hughes, who is Capitol Hill reporter with The Wall Street Journal. Good to have you with us as well. Good morning. So good to join you. Yeah, let me begin, Siobhan, with you. I want to talk about security and uh, get a picture from you. We've got 20,000 troops who are in the national capital. Uh, we have state capitals uh, with uh, troops moving in. And the fact of the matter is this huge low law enforcement presence uh, has been sort of following on the heels of small numbers yesterday of protesters. Uh, I mean, you had some Boogaloo boys and other right-wingers, but you didn't really have major turnout as was expected. You didn't have major turnout as was expected, but Washington, D.C. nonetheless remains a city on edge. Within the past hour or so, the U.S. Capitol building was placed on lockdown after there was a fire underneath a nearby bridge. It turned out according to the Associated Press, to be a fire at a nearby homeless camp. But it does show the jitters in this country. I don't know if you can hear the sound behind me. I'm not far from the Capitol. Those are helicopters flying overhead. In the immediate Capitol Hill neighborhood, you see some army tanks. You see some a lot, in fact, of military personnel in fatigues. And so it has a bit of the feel of a city under an occupation. 
And let's talk with you, Susan Page, about uh, what's happening. At least there's there's really no timeline on the trial that's going to take place as a result of the impeachment. But there is a plan on apparently in splitting the impeachment trial and considering uh, Biden's agenda, which now has a 10 day plan that Ron Klein put forward as chief of staff. Let's talk about what's in that and talk about, if you would, also this proposed one point nine trillion dollar recovery plan. So, you know, this is a big challenge for a president like Biden because he wants to get that fresh start that new presidents usually get a big agenda. He has a very ambitious agenda to kind of face multiple crises uh, that, that are uh, besetting the country at the moment. But his predecessor is not about to leave the stage. In fact, he'll be center stage in some ways with his second impeachment trial. I think Democrats in, in the Biden team and also on Capitol Hill are trying to work out how that might be handled. That's one reason Nancy Pelosi, the speaker, has continued to hold back the article of impeachment, not sending it over to the Senate. Once she do that, once she does that, triggers action by the Senate. It gives Democrats just a little bit of control. Maybe that it gives Joe Biden a few days to get some of his big nominations uh, confirmed to kind of take over the government before we're paying attention to Donald Trump again. Uh, one idea that by, that uh, President-elect Biden has suggested is that the Senate might, for instance, handle the new business, the business of confirmation and legislation in the mornings and do the trial of the former president, the then former president in the afternoon. That's been done in the past on some occasions in the Senate. They're hopeful that that can happen again this time. But like everything else we're facing this day, these days, this, this is without precedent. We've never had a president, pres president take over at a time his predecessor is in the process of being impeached. Yeah, and let's talk about what's up ahead in terms of the trajectory with you, Siobhan. Uh, Siobhan Hughes, again, with us, Capitol Hill reporter with The Wall Street Journal. Uh, Mitch McConnell, well, still majority leader, technically, uh, is still undecided, and uh, he's holding his cards pretty close to the vest, uh, probably to hold over Donald Trump, but he's also got to be concerned about placating these big donors who've been pulling out. Yeah, Mitch McConnell is not just the Senate majority leader, but he is a major fundraiser for his party. And he does need to be concerned about the money because that's what he relies upon in order to win elections. And 2022 is going to bring another big crop of Senate Republicans who are up for re-election. So that's paramount for him. Also, Democrats won the small donor game the last time around. You saw people like Jamie Harrison in South Carolina compete against Lindsey Graham financially because of those small dollar donations. And right now, the GOP doesn't really have a way to make up for that gap. Well, as long as we're talking about money, Susan Page, I wanted to go to you on this. Uh, we're, we're sort of everybody speculating what is President Trump going to be doing in his last two days. He's been meeting with Steve Bannon and the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, but uh, he's also been allegedly talking a good deal about pardons, and there's been rumors that uh, Rudy Giuliani has actually offered a pardon to someone uh, who claims he offered a pardon to him for sale for a couple million dollars. Uh, Got to get a picture from you, if we can, about what the president is up to in these last couple of days, and you never know exactly what to expect from him but or to anticipate from him, but certainly there's been a lot of speculation. You know, you'd think if you were president of the United States and 4,000 Americans a day were dying of the coronavirus, you might be focused on that, but you would be incorrect because the president has been consumed in recent weeks with trying to overturn the results of the election. That process has now pretty much played itself uh, out with the 
unprecedented the assault on the Capitol that we saw January 6th. Uh, we have seen reports, we have been waiting for these pardons uh, for several days, but first we thought they were gonna be released on Friday and then on Saturday, he just has two days left in his presidency. So we're pretty sure they'll come today or tomorrow. And uh, uh, we've seen news accounts of how uh, associates close to him and former officials have been selling their access to Trump for those uh, to those who hope to get pop pardons. Because one thing that makes this process different from previous presidents, most previous presidents, is that this is totally outside what used to be the normal pardon process where there was a Justice Department office that reviewed requests for pardons. This is totally done um, on the fly by Donald Trump. We're not sure who he's going to pardon. Uh, what we're watching most closely, does he try to pardon himself and does he pardon his children? Let me bring our listeners into this. Uh, if you have questions about Biden's transition of power or you want to express some concerns about the inauguration or if you simply have uh, the impulse to join us, you can give us a call now and be part of the program. The number to call is 866-733-6786. We welcome your call, so feel, feel free to join us with Siobhan Hughes and Susan Page. Again, the number for your calls, 866-733-6786, or get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email any questions you might have to forum at kqed.org. And Susan, I wanted to also sort of find out what you've been up to with respect to polls. I know you've been doing a lot of uh, poll crunching, if there is such a way to phrase it. And uh, what we've learned certainly recently is that Republicans uh, are calling for unity, but they're still saying the election was stolen in large part. But also, I think you've discovered that, what, about 90 percent of the Republicans actually approve of the job that Trump has done or is doing? So we've had a new USA Today poll that was in the field last Monday through Friday. Um, so it all was done after the assault on the Capitol. And we did it because we were curious about whether that event that was so violent and that we just, we, you can't stop watching the videos that keep coming out of it, whether that changed opinions. So in a poll we took just four weeks earlier, 92% uh, of Republicans approved of the job President Trump is doing. In our new poll, that has dropped all the way to 90%. So in effect, no change in Donald Trump's approval rating among Republicans. Most Republicans, two thirds of Republicans continue to believe that Joe Biden wasn't legitimately elected president. Uh, so we see that while this event was so, this assault was so historic, it has not shifted entirely the ground underneath uh, President Trump's feet. And I have to say that was once again, something of a surprise to us. I still believe that the Democrats and big tech companies and news media essentially um, rob Trump of a victory, I guess, huh? That's, that's right. And if you want to look at the challenges that Joe Biden faces if he takes over, there is no bigger challenge than this, because how can he effectively lead a country when about a third of Americans believe he doesn't deserve to be in the Oval Office? It's just a huge challenge for him. And here's a question from a listener, uh, and I'm going to go to uh, you on this, if I may, Siobhan Hughes. Uh, listener says, will Trump be able to access top secret information post-presidency? I worry that he and his associates will sell it to the highest bidder, given how much they have been with, uh, given, given, excuse me, how they have been with pardons. 
Um, you know, typically former presidents do get intelligence briefings. However, I will say, having covered this for the past four years, the intelligence community reports were was sufficiently concerned about the trustworthiness of Donald Trump that they withheld information from him. And it would not be a surprise if even if the president you know, were honored in name with information that important details were withheld. There is a, a, a Capitol Police investigation going on now in terms of visitor access ahead of the uh, of the insurrection, isn't there, Siobhan? I, I think, um, I'm not sure if what you're getting at is the fact that there is extra scrutiny being given to the National Guard people who are going to be staffing the event out of concern about whether there is a risk of being a so-called inside job, whether or not the forces are trustworthy. No, the National um, Guard wanna... are definitely being uh, put under that kind of scrutiny, but I was talking about a Capitol Police investigation of visitor access ahead of the insurrection itself. Uh, the, 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 invest, the investigation of the Capitol Police is very broad. It's being spearheaded by a number of different committees. You see Tim Ryan taking a lead in one regard, but then also you have Adam Schiff, the House Intelligence Committee chairman, Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Homeland Security Committee, all taking a very broad look into what went wrong on the part of the U.S. Capitol Police. I think Nancy Pelosi brought in a security review uh, under a retired Army Lieutenant uh, Honorate, a general, Lieutenant General Honorate. Yes, yes, and there's that aspect of it, too. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very broad review. We are coming up on a break, and we'll be back in about uh, 45 seconds or so. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with our guest, Susan Page of USA Today and Siobhan Hughes uh, with The Wall Street Journal. But we're also going to take your calls and emails, so please feel free to join the program. Again, the number to call, 866-733-6786, or get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email us, forum, at kqed.org. I'm Michael Krasny. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking with Susan Page of USA Today, Washington Bureau Chief, and Siobhan Hughes, who is Capitol Hill reporter with The Wall Street Journal. Let me bring a caller aboard here. Nicholas, join us. You're on the air. Uh, yes. Um, basically, my question is, if the articles of impeachment haven't been sent over yet, why does Mitch McConnell get to choose uh, all these decisions? Doesn't the Democrats get to choose um, uh, the order since they're going to be in charge of the Senate? Siobhan Hughes? Yes. Yeah, so right now, because we don't know exactly when the articles are going to be sent over, it is a little unclear who is going to be in charge. And if it occurs by the time Biden is sworn in and the two Georgia senators are certified and seated, then it would be in Chuck Schumer's hands. One thing to remember, though, is that before the impeachment trial starts, there's a resolution that gets passed that governs the details, the contours of that hearing. And so 
you would have to get really a lot of unification if you were to dodge around Mitch McConnell having a role in this. And so that's why it would be important to consider where Republicans are. Um, one thing Chuck Schumer does have going for him, of course, is that you do have an unusual number of Republican senators who are eager to get President Trump out of office and might be inclined to have a robust trial. Bring another caller on. Right. Sam, that's you. Good morning, Sam. Hi, uh, Michael. Um, first of all, I want to say I've been listening to you for 20 years and I really uh, am upset that you're going to be retiring. So I'm going to miss you. Thank you. Um, my question is, um, is there anything that can be done against a pardon that a president issues um, to revoke it or remove it? Uh, because giving somebody a, a pardon for future crimes sounds completely crazy. Well, it's a good question. I think, Susan Page, the answer is you can't revoke a pardon, can you? Uh, I, I don't believe so. You know, the pardon power is in the Constitution. It does not have limits on it. There is one question that legal scholars are now debating, though, and that is whether a president can pardon himself. This is, you won't be surprised to hear, not something that's happened before. Uh, so that is something that might be litigated if the president does try to pardon himself. But other than that, the pardon power is pretty unfettered. And we found this in the past. You may remember when Bill Clinton was on his way out of the White House, he had a very messy end game on the pardons where he gave pardons to his half-brother. He gave a pardon to Mark Rich, who was a, a fin rich financier who had been on the lamb. Uh, he was selling, also, uh, selling weaponry to Iran, which was against yeah. the law. Yeah. And, and those pardons held. Uh, so by and large, they hold that the one question mark might be if he tries to pardon himself. Well, another question along the lines of pardons uh, is from a listener named Daniel who wants to know, Susan, can Trump give amnesty to the insurrectionists, especially since two thirds of Republicans think the election was stolen? Daniel, that's such a great question, because I believe the answer is yes. I you know, we've had is. President yeah. grant amnesty before to groups of people, not by name. You know, I'm thinking, for instance, of President Carter, one of his first actions was to grant amnesty to those who had fled uh, the country to avoid the draft during the Vietnam War. Uh, now, usually, often they have conditions uh, attached with receiving that amnesty, but that, I believe, would be within the president's powers to do. And boy, if you want to see a firestorm in this town, in this country, that would follow an amnesty for those who stormed the Capitol. Now I'm going to read some comments that are coming in. There's a tweet from Bonnie who says, honestly, I'm shocked the inauguration isn't happening in a bunker somewhere. It makes me very nervous. And Edie writes, Trump's criminality now shows up in him and his aides collecting bribes for pardons in his last few days. Republicans' support has no limit to Trump's crimes. And we'll bring another caller aboard. That's you, Dave. Good morning. Hi. Uh, the uh, impeachment of Donald Trump is based on uh, the rally that everybody attended and where he incited to insurrection. Uh, and what I'd like to get a comment on is that uh, before Trump came on, uh, Representative House Representative Mo Brooks from Alabama gave a 10-minute speech or fiery cheerleading type uh, address to the audience, uh, to the to the people. That, you know, especially Mo Brooks. Uh, he 
really had the people worked up even before Trump came on. I'd like to know what you feel about whether they're going to actually make an issue about Mo Brooks being held responsible, as well as Rudy Giuliani, who now is being more considered as being Trump's lawyer to defend him, rather than possibly being somebody that should be indicted for what he did at that rally. He may not be Trump's lawyer because there's a uh, there's uh, some, some serious... Uh, uh, well, I don't know, call it horn locking between the two of them, because apparently really uh, uh, has said he, Trump refuses to pay the lawyer bills that he's put forward to Trump. But that's another story. I know, Susan Page, you want to weigh in on this? I mean, uh, the reality is that um, there are others who have been charged of complicity, in addition to Mo Brooks and Rudy Giuliani, who a lot of people want to be brought before the bars of justice. Yes. Uh, well, actually, Speaker Pelosi addressed this question at a news conference she had at the end of last week where she said, uh, number number one, there, there I think will be a review in Congress of the actions of members of Congress. That may well be through the Ethics Committee. Siobhan may know more about that. But she, Speaker Pelosi said that members of Congress and others who incited violence with that crowd beyond the president could be subject to prosecution beyond the Congress. That is, to the same kind of criminal prosecution that we're seeing uh, get started for those who rampaged through the hallways, broke windows, and stole things. Uh, so they are at risk of at least being investigated. Yes, uh, Dave, I think that's true. Well, Siobhan, we'll go to you on this, but also I'd like you to come in if you could, uh, uh, Siobhan Hughes, about uh, the fact that um, there's now some investigation in the financing of the insurrection. Uh, women for uh, America First, in fact, are particularly being singled out. The, the financing is one of the most fascinating aspects of this because there was a, a front page story, and I'll quote a competitor organization here, over the weekend that talked about one of the protesters broadcasting as he cased the Capitol that it would be helpful if money could be sent to him or to other people to help finance their activities. And what it gets to is the notion that this was not a spontaneous reaction on the part of a mob, but that this was organized and orchestrated. And that's one of the concerns. I, I do want to go back quickly to the point you raised about Mo Brooks, because one of the very interesting elements of this is that he... Um, is not protected by the speech and debate clause. If these were comments he had made while he was in Congress, it would have been much harder for authorities to go after him. But because he had stirred up the crowd outside of Congress, he does not have that layer of protection that a lawmaker would normally have for speech that he engages in in the normal course of his duties. Let me bring Mike in next. Mike joins us from Vallejo. Mike, you're on the air. Good morning. Mike? Plotting to yeah. declare martial law on Inauguration Day and hold the country hostage, even if Washington's locked down. We know 50 states are facing threats of violence. And uh, the reason I know, I, I believe this, he's been talking about it with Mike Flynn. He's been talking about it with Mike Lindell. Uh, and uh, he went to the Alamo, sign of the last stand. Uh, and his message to of conciliation uh, contained the words, I cannot emphasize nonviolence. And that's the kind of code he's been using all along. 
So I don't know why Rudy Giuliani and uh, Mike Flynn and the others haven't been arrested for inciting this first place. Uh, Mike, I, I appreciate your weighing in on that. Uh, I'm just wondering, in the little time we have left, uh, and I'll go to you again, Susan Page, I mean, are we going to get a peaceful transition here to power? And are we going to see, even after the inauguration, uh, uh, the Capitol looking like the green zone in Iraq? Uh, I believe, yes, we will see a peaceful transition of power on Wednesday. Um, I think that in time, this incredible state of siege that we see in Washington, D.C. will be dismantled. But I do think some things are going to change. I think security is going to be tighter. I think the Capitol is going to be a harder place for just regular Americans to go in and see and meet with their members. There are going to be consequences to these extraordinary final weeks of Donald Trump's presidency. Agree, Siobhan? I I think Susan Page is, is exactly right about that. After this moment, it's really an open question about the peaceful transition of power and whether or not the overall country accepts Biden as the president going forward. And any final thoughts from either one of you in terms of um, what people should be looking for in terms of the inauguration uh, and particularly the transition? I'm, I'm thinking about the fact that uh, one of the sort of hopeful veins in this is that Pence and Biden seem to be working together. Uh, in fact, uh, Biden, excuse me, Pence will be at the inauguration and he has congratulated Vice President-elect uh, Kamala Harris. So that all speaks well, at least. But uh, there are many people who are very angry. And by the way, some of these people who are angry are angry at President Trump for the uh, conciliatory words that came out of him. Susan? You know, let's listen to Biden's inaugural address. He is a plain spoken man. He's not a man given to great oratory. But this is a moment I think the country will be tuned in and eager to hear a message that both addresses the crises we, see, we face but also offers a bit of hope for what we see ahead. And uh, that hope will presumably also be, to some extent, uh, Siobhan, in President Biden's first 10-day plan, which Ron Klein has laid out for us. I, I think that's exactly right, including, of course, recovering from the coronavirus, getting a vaccine out, and the stimulus that the country needs. Well, let me thank both of you. Good to have you both with us, Susan Page and Siobhan uh, Vaughn. And... Uh, Appreciate your illuminating remarks and appreciate your being with us for this first segment of the forum program. Thank you both. Hey, thank, thank you, Michael. And again, Susan Page is USA Today Washington Bureau Chief and Siobhan Hughes is Capitol Hill reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Support for forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.